Hey there, everybody. My name is McThane, and welcome to another episode of XP Gains. I'm here with my co-host and the man that I was cloned from. Mr. Silverstrike. Absolutely. He totally didn't know about that. He just found out right now. But anyway, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the psychology behind marketing of video games, what you need to look forward to, what you should look out for, and how you should probably be approaching things as we move into the giving season. It has just been Black Friday, of course, but for those of you with any money left in your bank account, this will be worth checking out. We're going to be talking about all of that on the flip side. We'll catch you there. So I've just started a new job. I finally left my old job, which uh, is a little bit unfortunate because I got on really well with my boss. I really like the staff. I just want to put that out there. Um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't leaving on bad terms in any sense. But at the same time, I just we had plans that were going to move me up in my job, and it just wasn't really maturing. And we had a, another idea for something that might have worked. It might have not. I don't know. And I can't put my life on hold for another eight months, unfortunately, because the first time we did this, it took eight months to find out that it wasn't going to work out. And I, I can't wait. I can't afford to be, as somebody said, I can't afford to be the guinea pig again in this situation. So unfortunately, I have made the decision to move on, but that means that I'm in a new job and my new job is in sales. So for anybody who's listening and you're thinking, he has a great voice, he seems really proactive and energetic, you'd be right. And hopefully I'm going to make some money <laughs> by using that voice and that energy. But that got me thinking about another thing because I've been going through a lot of sales training recently. Obviously, we're leading into Christmas. As you just said, we've just had Black Friday. And with all these ads flying around and all that awareness trying to be created or people trying to create for various products and things like that, this new training has really opened my eyes to how we create attention and how we draw people in to spend their money. And I was thinking it would be really cool to talk about the psychology of marketing behind video games and in this industry uh, that we all like to talk about and we all like to enjoy. So uh, the first thing really, I guess, that I wanted to kick off was the idea of the hype train. So a lot of us have become, I think, disenfranchised with video game marketing over the last over the last year in particular, but the last few years in general, um, just with so many things coming out. And people have felt that the marketing behind a game was kind of dishonest. Of course, there's the example of No Man's Sky. There's the example of Destiny 2. A lot of these games people felt were somewhat dishonest. There's a, an older example that people may have kind of forgotten about a little bit by now, which is Watch Dogs was another one. Um, people felt a little bit sad about that once it came out, and it, it didn't really live up to what it, what it promised. Um, so the first thing is the hype train. And in this new training that I've been receiving, one of the biggest things that we talk about is building an impulse to buy. And this is, this is the name of the game with the hype train. The whole idea is that we're going to throw tons of marketing out there. We're going to make it look as exciting as we possibly can. We're going to highlight all the best bits. We're going to leave out all the bad bits. And this is hopefully going to build a very, very powerful impulse for people to buy over a period of time, which they ultimately will find very difficult to control because they've been thinking about it and wanting it for so long. Even when it comes out, if the reviews initially are not that great, people will still buy in because they're sure it's going to be fine. They're sure it's going to be good. Does that make sense so far? Yes. Um, I want to I want to add that recently, that game, people were not so hyped about, and we've kind of seen through the attempts to hype people up, was Fallout 76, which has been absolutely panned overall by press and uh, consumers alike who have really, really kind of... Slated it, yeah. 
and um, people are saying, look, this is a bad game. And I've actually heard some people bring up that it's actually made them think about how they feel about the previous games. Bethesda's brought out like Fallout 4 and The Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And some of the things that I've heard is stuff uh, that people have been saying, like, I've actually come to reconsider and I've, I've I've looked at these previous games and I've I feel like we've been giving Bethesda a free pass on their buggy games and now that they've released this game in this shitty state they're like oh no 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 we're done giving Bethesda a free pass which is interesting I think um, this is an example, I think, of how people are kind of getting used to the concept of the hype train. And I, I know, like, as soon as I say this, a lot of people are going to be thinking, okay, whoa, man, we've been burned on this so many times in recent years. There's no way that the hype train is going to take take hold again. But there's one that I know that we've been talking about a lot recently, which is Anthem. Well, I say a lot. We've been talking about it intermittently every now and again, but it has been a regular staple in our conversations, at least on a, on a weekly basis. Because I'm absolutely convinced it's, it's not going to do well. Yes. I, I think... I think, yeah, we, we actually had a very brief uh, discussion about this, how this was going to come out. And I think you and I were both on the same page at this point when uh, when I said, the problem with this is they can't afford for it to, to bomb. And they're playing a very, very careful game with this because they don't want to produce the next Destiny 2. But the other side of the coin on making something approachable and acceptable is making it generic yeah which i think is actually what destiny 2 did they they played it way too safe um with that game in some ways they strayed so? too far from the original in terms of campaign they they tried to make something that anybody can enjoy do you know what was interesting i never played i never played the first game but recently we got the opportunity to go into the cosmodrome as part of the quest to get the thunderlord yeah. As part of mm-hmm. that limited time quest. So obviously I jumped right on top of that because the Thunderlord looked absolutely awesome. So yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun to use. Um, unfortunately, it's good at all the same things that my current build is good at doing anyway. So it, it feels a little bit redundant for me right now. But I'm sure that once I unlock some of the new cl- subclasses, then I'll be yeah. playing in a slightly different way. And then it'll be a bit more useful. But anyway, moving on. That's that's not really relevant <laughs> to this discussion. So um, one of the things that got me was I went into the Cosmodrome as part of this uh-huh. place. Part of this... Uh, limited time quest and that place has a very strong feel of story it feels like there's a story behind that place and even though i felt like the spaces were not really laid out all that well like once i actually got inside the cosmodrome i went wow this feels like yeah the way that the space is allocated in here honestly feels like a 90s game Mm -hmm. to me where the spaces are just not quite right they're not really very good for engagements you always feel either like you're just sitting on top of a roof sniping at everybody or alternatively you feel like you're completely out in the open and there's no real there's no real halfway house mm-hmm. um but at the same time when you're outside and you've got all the abandoned cars and things like that i felt wow there's a really so- strong sense of story yeah. in this place and i really really missed that in the second game because this was always what i was looking forward to when i saw information or marketing material for the first game and I thought, wow, this looks really awesome. Like you're exploring this old world and blah, blah, blah. That looks great. And in the second game, of course, all the locations are really very generic. Yep. And I think that's really sad. So I, I see what you mean when you say that it, it feels like it, it's playing too safe. I think things have been dumbed mm-hmm. down a little bit in terms of the classes and things like that. But anyway, this is becoming a, a conversation about Destiny yeah. 2, which is not really what we intended. You know, so. the story in the first game was not that strong, I feel. Um, wow, dude, I think you might be in the running for understatement of the year. There. But um, 
the Cosmodrome, where we actually did this limited time quest in Destiny 2, is actually where you start the first game. It's where you're revived for the first time by your ghost. And uh, that's where the story starts. So it is, you know, in the world of Destiny, it's an important place and an important moment that is referenced. So I I think it made sense for them to introduce that. Anyway. No, I think that's I think that's really good. But uh, basically, yeah, where where I was going with all this is essentially they they don't want with with Anthem. Sorry, getting back yeah. to the point with Anthem, they don't want to build up too much of the hype train. They want obviously to make it popular, but they don't want to overhype it because inevitably you create disappointment. Inevitably, it's it's impossible to avoid that. And I think they've been much more careful about how they market it. They've been a lot more transparent with gameplay footage and things like that before it's released. But unfortunately, I think it's probably going to go the same way as Destiny 2, and it's going to be a lot more dumbed down, a lot more simplified. They're not going to take any risks with it, which is a real shame because I think Bioware could probably do some phenomenal stuff with a little more complexity, adding a bit of depth to the gameplay and the the hero building and things like that. I, I, I know when I was looking at it, I was thinking, man, this is not even as deep as something like The Division, and I would not consider The Division a highly complex game. So I was kind of disappointed because it looks like it's trying to be a halfway house between destiny 2 and warframe but i don't feel that it plays to the strengths of either can i just it might be more interesting than destiny 2 can i just outline two of my biggest concerns with this particular game first and foremost i haven't been excited about a game ea has released in the last year and a half i think they um you know they've been like it's been cookie cutter releases so it's either been like the sports games that they've released uh you know on schedule basically or yeah it's been rehashed franchise uh iterations like the new battlefield which is just you know nobody really gives a shit about it and i think it has been barely covered and it released it is not doing anything interesting that the other games didn't do before i think um it also falls into the trap of oh shit we released it like at around the same release date as both Black Ops 4 and Red Dead Redemption which is like the worst time of the How year. do you make that like, mistake? How do you make and that mistake? And they fucked it up with the last Battlefield as well. They released like Titanfall and Battlefield 1 at the same time. It's like what are you doing guys? This is just ugh terrible. Anyway, so I'm guessing they missed out on a lot of sales. And then there was the entire like NVIDIA RTX fiasco where they were like, yeah, we got this uh, ray tracing tech in the game. And then when you turn it on, it like halves your frame rate on the new RTX cards. So yeah, 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 it's, yeah, pre- yeah. it's pretty Absolutely. bad. But EA hasn't made anything interesting in the last few years. Um, no. And Bioware. And this was actually. And that's my second oh, point. Okay. Right. Go ahead. Bioware. Right. Oh yeah, are, I forgot you had condition, to you know, have historically been a single player producing uh for the most part. I mean, they've done Knights of the Old Republic as well, but um generally speaking their strengths are in the single yeah, player. Yeah, stuff like Dragon yeah. Age, it's stuff like Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They've they've made fantastic games like that. Um yeah. and those are games that if you think about it, a lot of the time you spend in those games is in dialogue trees or you're exploring, and you're not actually doing stuff that you would be, or that would be very entertaining when there's multiple people involved. Um, or you're customizing, yeah, another thing to add is you're customizing your build yeah. or customizing your team or something yeah. like that. And again, like you're saying, that's that's the that's, same idea. And that's no I know fun that whenever I'm, with friends. Whenever I'm playing Warframe with, with Lutley Putter, yeah, he always gets upset because I'm taking ages to customize my build, and he's like, come on, can we please just yeah, play? <laughs> that's the thing that yeah. I think... Um, I experienced as well. So we were going through uh, the story of Destiny 2, right? 
And I played through the story uh-huh. myself already. And with Jeers, we went through Forsaken. We completed it last night. But it just sucks to be talking to somebody and then there's a cutscene. I'm like, I'm interested in the cutscene, but it just doesn't work well when you're playing together. No, especially if somebody else has already seen the cutscene three times. Yeah, that too, but... And it's just like, skip, 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 and you're like, oh, well, I really I really would like to watch Even this, so. if that's okay. Yeah. And you feel like you're inconveniencing yeah. people. It's just not... It's no yeah. fun. So, I don't think that works very well. So, a lot of the strengths that Bioware traditionally has are going to be lost um, in, in this new game, in Anthem. Um, which is interesting because I think that is exactly the same problem that now Bethesda has with Fallout 76. They removed all the NPCs and all the quest lines given by NPCs, so all the dialogue is gone, and all you have are these... In other words, all the all the stuff that people ran around and did for most of their time in yeah. those games, in other words. Yeah, so yeah. now you all you have is like environmental storytelling, which we've praised before on this podcast, but if that's all your game's got, that's not good enough. I don't know. I think if they do a really good job with it, that that could actually do it. It needs to be really solid. I think if you if you make it something that's actually valuable, like if you've got if you've got a buddy who always notices what's going on in the environment and goes, "Hey, wait a minute. Look, if this is happening, that means that there's an event in this other place. It's a hidden event." That would be really cool. This is something that I I kind of hate about world events. True, but your your game would need to be your game would need to be really good for me to buy in on that. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, from what I've seen about the gameplay, specifically talking about Anthem again here, um, we will get back on topic very quickly, but um, specifically talking about Anthem, the gameplay looks very generic. Yeah. I mean, you you have a generic melee attack, you have two kind of generic-looking weapons, you have a couple of generic abilities on generic-style cooldowns. It doesn't really look... It doesn't have the, the volume and the depth of, of different abilities that Warframe offers. It doesn't have the customization of weapons that Warframe or other games like it offer. It doesn't have the really satisfying, visceral-looking gunplay that you get even in Destiny 2, where the gunplay is just so smooth. It's like Halo-level smoothness in the gunplay. I, I just don't... I, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. In the long term, I will probably buy this game, but I highly doubt that I'm going to buy it on release for full price. Highly, highly doubt it. And that's that's what you want. That you want tons of people getting into the game day one. Otherwise, it's going to suffer like Evolve did. You know, remember that game? Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, did you have anything else to, to tie up with before we get back on yeah. track? Uh, one more thing about Anthem, actually. Um, I So they've, they've recently released a few streams of the developers playing the game, which is, of course, where we right. saw this generic-looking gameplay. And um, as I was looking at that gameplay, I thought, man... I know I like to, you know, especially during the first episode of XPG, I really was slamming Bungie really hard for Destiny 2. But the, yeah. their gameplay loop and um, like the visual style of Destiny, I think is very strong and consistent. And Anthem, from what I saw so far, and I mean, yeah, sure, it's alpha gameplay, blah, blah, blah. But it's coming out next year. It's coming out fairly soon, right? In a few months. Sure. So it's not like they're going to totally change everything. But from what I saw, it seemed somewhat cobbled together. Yeah, there's all these different kinds of armors, but it doesn't feel like they are, you know, they, they don't feel like they fit together or belong in the same universe or something like that. Like, it. I actually kind of disagree with that. I, I, th- I actually think it's kind of cool. And I think that with time, that's probably going to be a little bit more polished. I, I kind of like the, the aesthetic, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Um, so I haven't. 
looked at that much of it. I will say that. I have seen some of the developer gameplay, and I have seen, of course, the trailers, yeah. which everyone has seen. Um, not really going so much off the trailers, but going off the uh, the open world gameplay, I thought that it looked fairly fairly cohesive, mm-hmm. like it made sense. I mean, obviously, it copies very, very, very closely the theme of Destiny 2, where you have kind of the last city, yeah. and then you leave the last city, and you're out mm-hmm. in the wild. Um, but I like that they've done that in an open world style. I didn't really feel that it was that bad. I haven't seen that much of the enemy types, though. Yeah. And I know definitely that shooting relatively bullet spongy enemies, watching your damage numbers come up, blah, blah, blah. You're standing yeah. there, you're shooting, you're reloading. That's great. That's very nice. It did not look anywhere near as engaging as as Destiny 2. And that's that's not a, a hugely high bar, I've got to say. Yeah. In my opinion, it, anyway. It didn't so. inspire much confidence in me that they're putting out alpha gameplay release streams. I feel like they probably, you know, they should be putting out more pub- polished stuff, um, like, a few weeks in advance of the release. I think this is just, you know, oh yeah, we're putting st- no, we're putting you know- stuff out there because, you know, so so you guys still know Anthem is still a thing, you know. That's how it feels to me. I think there's probably an element of that, but I think likely the greater part is that they really want to very closely measure public reaction. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would have to say like yeah. this is part of it what I was talking fail, about right? in my marketing yeah. training is that a lot of a lot of you know how you how you do this, how you approach people in the street, for example, is you're going to you're going to smile, you're going to make eye contact, you're going to wave at someone and say, hey there, or excuse me, or whatever. And whatever you're going to say, you're immediately going to gauge this person's reaction. If they immediately look the other way and then, you know, pretend like they're scratching the side of their head so that they can block line of sight, you just ignore them. You just say, right, have a nice day and go on to the next person, you know? And I think what they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to, to do that. We're, we're waving, we're showing you gameplay, we're showing you that it's friendly and it's fun and blah, 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 and look at these cool things. They're being very careful with what they reveal. They're playing very safely with content and they're gauging public reaction. That's what I would say that they're doing with this, right? Maybe, I'm sure, well, maybe, definitely, you're right, that there's an element that they want to keep people's minds on Anthem, of course. But at the same time, they really need to know that this is not going to blow up in their faces. Yeah. I hope. And I think that's, that's what I hope doing. it becomes a good game. I hope it ends up being uh, really good. But um... Do you know what? Do you know what? I think if they start out and they play it a little bit mm-hmm. safe and there are some good customization, growth, progression options in the game. Yeah. The open world is fun to explore. I mean, I found myself just running around shooting things in Destiny because I was sure. enjoying the gameplay yeah. loop so yeah. much, right? So I, that's that's all there was in the game, but I enjoyed that enough to, to get a lot of hours of entertainment out of it yeah. at the time. Um, and now they're bringing more depth into the content. They're bringing more depth into the quests. And especially, I think Anthem hopefully can learn from this on an accelerated, a kind of a, kind of a, a fast track. Right. They can fast track themselves into being a better game because they can look at Destiny's mistakes. They can look at Destiny's examples. And hopefully what they'll be able to do is accelerate, like kind of catapult their game into where it needs to be to be really fun and successful yeah. sooner and faster than Destiny did as a result of, of that learning experience that Destiny has already given them. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping they play it safe and then things get better mm-hmm. and it's good enough to play it when it comes out. It's fun, but then... Hopefully it'll get a little bit more engaging and, and be better over time. I'm hoping, but obviously there's no there's no guarantee of that. And if not enough people buy into the idea early, there's a risk that it's never going to take off. That that was one more thing, like the final thing I want to say on Anthem is 
I hope that there's enough people playing it. Because if yeah, there's not enough yeah. people playing it, then it's not gonna, you know, not not gonna get off the ground. But this is where I think that the best move that Bioware could do is introduce kind of a starter edition where you can kind of feel some of the gameplay. And if they've really polished up the gameplay well and it feels smooth and nice, then people are gonna go try out the starter edition and they're gonna buy the game. I think mm -hmm. one of the smartest things Bungie has done in the last few months is make the base game of Destiny free for a certain period of time for everybody on Battle.net. And there's been a period of time when Destiny 2 was free for PlayStation Plus subscribers. That was uh -huh. very smart, in my opinion, because it was totally able to get, you know, other people to join. Like all these people who were playing Overwatch. I read this online. People playing Overwatch. Oh, you're playing Destiny? And it's free? I can play it for free? Oh, sure. Let's hop in and play some raids together or whatever. Like, let's let's play the story together. Let's fill up a fire team. Boom. And you get those people playing the game. Like, Absolutely. we got Jeers into the game and he played through the base game and he said, actually, I'm having fun. I didn't think I would be having this much fun. And he bought Forsaken. Like, that's a sale. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. a sale because you made the base game free. I also like Absolutely. that they didn't you know, that they kind of removed the 10,000 purchases required to get the full experience. Now it's like, if you got the game for free, it's 40 euros or $40 to get the full experience of Destiny 2. Does yeah. that kind of screw over the people who bought in early? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like the game's been out for a significant amount of time. There's always a premium and games seem to be going on sale really quickly nowadays. Like, holy shit, like Fallout 76, have you heard? It's it's on sale on PlayStation Network for like 50% off and it's been out for a week. That's how Yeah, that's cuz it's Yeah, that's out. how bad that game is. And it also happened to yeah. I think Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider on PC was review bombed by the Chinese or something because the game went on like, you know, had a 40% sale off in like the first 2 months or something. It was ridiculous. So well, do you know what this is, though? This is this is always the problem, because you've basically got this kind of multi-story outhouse effect, mm -hmm. where you've basically got the shareholders are shitting on the CEO. Here we go. <laughs> the CEO shits on everyone in his company to, to get things done, or in the publisher, basically. The publisher shits on the developers, oh, yeah. and then the developers shit on their own product in order to get it out quickly. Good right? stuff. And this is the only way, this is the only way that you ever get anything done, <laughs> because everybody is so hyped up and so pressurized about making money now that you end up producing crap and then it doesn't make any money. And the people who get the blame are the people who are at the bottom of the, the multi-story, you know, shit mm -hmm. cascade, right? It's it's completely ridiculous. Um, I know that developers are not automatically innocent of wanting to make a buck. No. You know, sure. that's I, I feel that they're entitled to profit for their labor. Absolutely. But at the same time, I know I know they're not completely innocent. Mm -hmm. But I can't I can't really say that I hold the developers more accountable than I hold the shareholders. Because the shareholders ultimately drive everything. They're holding the yep. reins. Right. You know, they have the power to say, okay, let's wait. I'll, I'll be patient. You have my money, but I'll be patient to get it back to make sure that I can get the fullest possible return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also have the power to say, nope, I want it now. Whatever you can give me now, I'll take it, even if it kills the entire franchise. And this is, this is a consistent problem. During the quarterly review of Activision Blizzard, during their little presentation, uh, Destiny 2 came up and they basically said, we think it's underperforming, uh, you know, like people are not spending enough money on the, you know, in-game shop, which like they're making a lot of money with loot boxes and in-game shops. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, they basically said it's underperforming. So 
you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not good to hear that. So if you're a bungee, you're like, okay, well, you know, clearly this is not good. Um, but the people at bungee were like very positive, uh, even though that, you know, this, this news was, uh, something that was, uh, coming out there like, yeah, we're gonna, we're still gonna strive to make the game better the way we did it with, uh, with Forsaken. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think if they, and I, I actually think that Forsaken, Forsaken really to me is, destiny 2 yeah they fixed it that i really think that that that's what the game should have been probably at the outset i mean even if you look at something like the subclasses okay they've been a bit dumbed down but the abilities that you get there the the effects that they have are generally more satisfying they're more interesting there's more depth i mean just everything everything is better Mm -hmm. everything is better in forsaken yep right i I really would honestly say go forsaken or go home you know it's there's no real reason to buy destiny 2 unless you're gonna go well even so the to that extent since i played through the base game of destiny 2 again the base game of Destiny 2 feels all, you know, slightly different now that it's been, you know, the entire weapon system and stuff like that has been rebalanced. It is much more fun. So even if you're not getting Forsaken, like even base game Destiny is now fun. Uh, but besides, you know, I don't think you can even get Destiny 2 standalone anymore. You have to like buy the collection anyway. So mm-hmm. you're getting Forsaken if you're buying it new. And if you got it for free then yeah, you have the base game, but it's still going to be pretty fun to uh, hang out with your friends. And I think with with the base game, you can even do the raid on Leviathan. It's, it's going to yeah. take you, you know, some grinding to get to the proper level, but... Uh, well, and chances are, man, I mean, if you've got the base game, if you're having fun, if you're, if you're grinding for your exotics, if you're, you know, doing all that stuff and you're having a good time, yeah. I mean, what are the odds that you're just going to wait for a sale and then buy for okay. sale? Yeah, like, and it's been on sale. Pretty it's high. been on sale uh, due to the different, like there was a sales period where it was like 20% off. And then with Black Friday, I think they did a deal as well. So I'm kind of curious. I want to see the attach rate, how many people got the game, how many people actually booted the game. So you you can redeem it, but you can like not play it. So I want to know how many people played it. And then I want to know how many people beat the campaign. And of the people who beat the campaign, I want to know how many bought Forsaken after beating the campaign. Like, I think that is... Yeah. If those numbers are good... What are the continuation demographics there, basically? Yeah. I feel like this kind of game, especially if it's an online game where you are going to be teaming up with buddies a lot, it really pays off, I think, to have a free version out there or a cheap version. No, exactly. We talked about this in our first episode, uh, the first episode that we ever did here on XPG. And we were talking about, you know, monetization in video games. But we we were talking about how there's there's always a whale who's willing to spend tons of money as long as they're they're into it. There's always a clam who doesn't want to spend any money. But the thing is that the, the two of those have a symbiotic relationship because you don't have that many whales, but basically the clams don't want to pay. So you can't get the money from the clams, but you can't get the player count from the whales. So the two of them kind of balance each other out, if that makes yeah. sense. And what I'm seeing here in this particular case is you don't, I, I don't even think you need a whale in this scenario. I think you can have people play the free game and they're, they're going to actually pay for the game because they think it's fun. As long as your product is fun enough, people are going to still buy into your product. Well, you were talking about earlier the premium of buying it early and getting into it early. And I think it's it's oftentimes it's these people who are willing to pay that premium to get in early. Yep, sure. And with the, with the special editions and the like, yeah. Yeah, and they're the ones who are really driving the market for the clams because they get in and they say, hey, look, this is actually a lot of fun. Come and join me. Yep. And that's when the clam goes, oh, well, you know, I don't really want to spend the money. I'll wait a little bit. Yeah. And then the cheap version comes out and they're like, ah, okay, right. This is for me. Does that make yep. sense? Or you get the free download, like you were saying, you get the base game and that gets you into the rest, you know, it's like, but this is, yeah, this is typical, 
This is typical marketing stuff. <laughs> I feel um, like these companies are so big and they're like missing some obvious, like easy wins. Marketing strategies. Yeah, they're missing some easy wins that they could benefit from. Yeah. So let me let me get back on track in this in this regard because what you're talking about here is exactly in line with what I wanted to say. When 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 we make a sales pitch, we start off with the smile and wave, right? And you gauge somebody's reaction. This is what I was talking about Anthem is doing right now. They're putting out their content, they're being very careful with what they show, they're showing only the most, you know, broadly applicable stuff and they're gauging public reaction, right? So this is this is the first step. Mm-hmm. The next one is that you if somebody gives a positive reaction, you basically close in and you start talking and you immediately try and create a bond with the person that you're talking to. And this is where you're trying to endear the product to the player base. And you're basically saying, okay, so these are the features we're going to offer. This is the experience we're going to give you, blah, 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 blah. So you're trying to create this impression of lasting appeal. You're trying to make it about them. You're trying to say, this is about you. This is your game. This is why you want it. And once you've got somebody to that point, you've got them hooked, right? And at that point, this is where you say, hey, look, I can see you're busy, but I won't keep you long. Let me get you over here and I'll give you the uh, like the the short version basically on, on what we're doing here today, right? And this is where you start building that impulse to buy because you, you've got people to the point where they are not just seeing your content when it happens to show up on their feed. They're actually looking for it at this point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And this is where once once they're looking for it, it's very easy to draw people in with deeper information. Oh, right. Okay. Well, you know, if you're looking for this, there's there's more in this way, and there's more in that way, and there's there's more in these other things. And so once you're once you're drawing these people in, you've got them there, and that's where you can start convincing people this is good for you. This is why, not just why you're interested, but this is why you're going to buy it. This is why you are going to buy it. And then once you get to the point where it's time to buy, the game releases, boom, you get a ton of sales because all these people have had this huge impulse to buy, whether or not there's lasting appeal. And this is essentially the issue. So I wanted people coming up to the Christmas season basically to be aware of these sorts of strategies. Obviously, you're going to be aware of them to a greater or lesser extent, but to be aware of the mechanics behind this and to be able to look for your own information in a controlled way, being conscious of this and being able to make your own decision based on that, if that makes any kind of sense, like being aware of these marketing techniques existing and being able to kind of decide for yourself, is this a marketing technique or is this something that's actually material and it's going to be good to buy into? So obviously this is going to be for things like Anthem. This is going to be for things like, uh, what is it that's coming out next year as well? Division two, I believe is also coming out, um, and various other things. So tips and tricks, are we looking at how to specifically avoid being subject to impulsive purchases that's probably yeah that's probably a a natural extension of this i guess um but yeah i think we've actually touched on a lot of the things that that i was going to talk about kind of along Mm -hmm. the way but i just wanted to package this up a little bit more neatly so when you are looking at gaming content yes be be careful about your mindset and be aware of your mindset while you're looking at this don't don't go looking for something because you 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 feel like oh that's interesting i want to see more at that moment, stop yourself and say, wait, why do I want to see more? Do I want to see more because there was an awesome action sequence in that trailer that looked really amazing and I want to do that? Ask yourself, is that really going to be the gameplay? Is that going to be the reality behind the hype train? Learn to see it for what it is. If you do decide, actually, 
okay, maybe that's not what I'll actually be doing, but I'm going to look into it anyway, because if that's the theme and I'm interested in the theme, then yes, I probably will be interested in this game. Going in to look at it, don't put yourself up, off, sorry, just because it's been marketed aggressively, but don't allow that aggressive marketing to take over your impression of the game. Basically, now I know that a lot of people probably are going to say, yeah, you know, obviously, I already know that. But you'd be amazed how many psychological factors go into what determines your interest or not. There's going to be a lot of talk. I mean, we've, we've talked about Anthem, how it's so transparent. And the, the result that we've seen in, in both of our cases is that we thought this looks generic. And this is actually a bit of a failing on the part of their marketing team. But it's a success on the part of the developer because it means that you're not you're not going to have unreasonable expectations. Does that make sense? And so this is where you start looking at the difference between impulsivity versus lasting appeal. See, I don't, I don't know about that. But what I'm going for here is that you're going to get fewer people who are interested in this gameplay than people who would be interested in really flashy trailers. But the people who are still interested in those gameplay videos, despite them not being super flashy, they are going to be your lasting, reliable customers. They knew what they were buying when they bought it, and they're going to be happy with it as it carries on because they knew what they were getting in advance. Probably, yeah. If, if the game runs well and if it, if it is as it was presented, yes. These are always going to be ifs, but we're seeing a lot more transparency in this case than we ordinarily see with games of that type. Normally, you get a lot of hype. I mean, particularly, look at the way MMOs are marketed. There's always really dramatic music in the background. There's these huge, flashy-looking battles where some some assassin is jumping from, like, you know, arm to arm on this gigantic gigaboss that's like the size of a hotel, right? Mm. And then, like, slams a knife into the back of the boss's spine, and the boss just blows up, you know, and into a, a million gold pieces, you know, and there's glory, and there's, you know, like, you can practically see him walking home and, you know, getting all his hose together and having a big celebration already. You know, it's just like, yeah, but you're never going to do that. What you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking at health bars and you're going to be pressing the heal button. That's what you're going to be doing, right? <clears throat> yeah. It, there's, a, there's a total disparity between the gameplay and the trailer. There are a variety of ways, I think, that you can arm yourself against this. And the number one thing you have to do, if you are a regular consumer and you are interested in a particular game, there are so many sources nowadays that you can consult Tons of YouTube videos, tons of written reviews, uh, website aggregation uh, of ratings. So there's like um, Metacritic, there's uh, OpenCritic, which I recommend myself. I, I, OpenCritic is just amazing. It's really good. I Yeah, I wouldn't really recommend Meta, Metacritic. Metacritic is, you know, is... Usually dubious. Well, yeah. it's not necessarily usually dubious. It's just, it was, it's the older generation of aggregator. It's not... Um, yeah, but I see a lot of bought and paid for reviews on there. I see a lot of people who are like professional reviewers who just rate everything positively. Sure, yeah. Like I've never seen a negative review from some of these people. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So, so yeah, wait anyway. for reviews, listen to what people have to say. And uh, in, it's true in some situations, games are going to be very positively reviewed. And then a few months or weeks later, people are going to change their tune. That's happened before. That is not unheard of. That's going to happen. So the best way, actually, I found to uh, to get a good idea of what a game and how a game is, is going to perform is do two things. I usually consult the regular rev reviews on OpenCritic, 
And there's a few outlets that I trust very well. I trust, you know, there's, you usually have a few people. If you're watching these reviews or reading these reviews, you have a bunch of people that you trust or that you agree with. And you, you know, you kind of know if they like the game, then I'm probably going to like the game too. And then there's the people who are coming into the game and are posting their initial impressions on threads, on forums and Reddit and stuff like that, or on Twitter. Combining those two resources is very interesting to me because you get the, the impressions, the first impressions by reviewers who may have gotten like a slightly different experience perhaps than the consumers because maybe some systems aren't turned on yet. If they got a preview copy, maybe the microtransaction system is not active in the game. I remember the uh, Assassin's sure, Creed yeah. games, for example, uh, when Unity was released. That was the first time they put like these time savers and stuff into the game, but that wasn't visible to reviewers, so they didn't know about that. And then you know people were starting to play the game, and they were like, "Look, there's fucking microtransactions in this, so I can get double XP. What the hell is up with that?" So you know. That's the kind of stuff you learn yeah, online. Absolutely. So as these people stream in and they get their first impressions, like, oh, it doesn't run so great on my rig, or it doesn't run well on PC. It's a shoddy PC port. You know, the reviewers played a console version. You know, okay. Absolutely. That, that's the kind mm -hmm. of stuff that you can learn. And then if the initial impressions are good by people and the reviewers say it's good and it doesn't have any particular flaws at the end game, then I'm usually considering a purchase. I will consider a purchase then. So if it's my kind of genre, I will usually just buy the game and play it if I have the time to do so. However, if one of these criteria that I just had, so initial gameplay, initial reviews, or end game, if there's like this alarm bell that somebody pulls, like, guys, the performance is bad, or guys, the end game is like shit or whatever, then I will be very cautious and I will usually not purchase. So what Anthem needs to do uh, or any other game for that matter, is it needs to have solid performance, it needs to get good reviews, which means it needs to have good gameplay. It doesn't need to be, it has to be not crappy. So if it is competent, the way it has been shown so far, it's probably going to get okay reviews. It doesn't need to have 95 Metacritic score to, you know, <laughs> yeah. to get people to buy it. If it's good, if it's a good gameplay loop, if the systems work well, there's going to be some people are going to be thinking, okay, this is great, let's get it. And if the end game content doesn't suck, which was a problem with Destiny 2, and that's something that people only figured out later, then yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to be interested in Anthem. But right now, I don't really care. And to be honest, yeah. one of the other problems that I also have nowadays is there's just so many games. There's just so many. And your game needs to be really good for me to take the other games that I have and just put them on the back burner because I still need to play like Red Dead Redemption. I still need to play uh, Spider-Man on PlayStation, right? Those two games have gotten absolutely phenomenal reviews. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the best games this year. I think they're both on uh, the Game of the Year list for the Game Awards this year. Absolutely. Like, yeah. why would I want to take any other game, like even Fallout 76 or whatever, like if, if something were to release right now, I'd be like, but look, I've got Red Dead. I still need to play that. Yeah. There's progressively more and more releases coming out and there's only so much content you can consume as a person who has a job. Especially especially considering that like there's there's two fighting factors here. Number one, if you have a job, you're the one that they want because you're the one with yep. the money. And on top of that, everybody is trying to get you to not just play their game, but to play it continuously now. Yep. 
nobody wants to just make that single player game that's that's going to be over soon. Yeah. Games are becoming a service nowadays, which is how people are saying, you know, Ubisoft yeah, and, and Activision are describing their games as a service nowadays. Uh, and I get it, but it kind of, at a certain point, I, I will actually, they will lose me. Like they lost me with Rainbow Six Siege at a certain point when, when my love for that game fizzled out. We played it for a, you know, quite some time, I think, right? I know maybe you weren't always there. Uh, for that game in particular, but I know it, the little group that we had played it a lot, a lot. And then at a certain point it was like, okay, we've played it for a solid year and we've come back to this game every day or like every two days and we were done and that's it. So you'd need to have a really good game for it to be, you know, to keep pulling people in for an extended period of time. And I think that is going to be a challenge for these companies. They're building these games as a service and at a certain point, I think there's going to be such a fall off that it might concern them. But maybe by then they've got their next game and they don't really care anymore. So I don't know. Anyway, so basically to, to tie all that up, um, what I wanted to do here, as I have probably mentioned before, but just to, again, repackage just to make sure it's it's nice and neat. Yeah. I'm not trying to put off everybody, but just as we go into this giving season, make sure that we're not just buying up a ton of things. Um, I know that we've already mentioned, you know, you have limited time. You're probably not going to buy too many games, but <clears throat> yeah, it's okay to get excited. It's okay to look forward to things. You don't have to be super cynical. You don't have to be super negative. You don't have to assume that everybody's just a monster who's out to steal your money and deliver you the crappiest game performance ever. Just make sure you're being conscious of your own feelings about something while you do it. Ask yourself why you feel the way you do. Look into more content. Wait for the reviews. Wait for actual gameplay footage. Don't get on that hype train. It doesn't mean you need to be negative, but just make sure that you're not getting caught up and spending a lot of money on things that are not worth your time this giving season. Okay, so that was, uh, I think, everything that we wanted to mention today. Was there anything else that you wanted to no. go over in I'm that particular topic? i sure that's, that's about it. So, uh, yeah. That's it. Awesome. Okay, well, I definitely hope that you've enjoyed this episode of XP Gains. Thanks very much, as always, for listening and wherever you are in the world. We both want to wish you a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And next time, hopefully, we'll be done with Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah, that would be nice. TM. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in the future, though, we are also looking for... We're finally going to play through Deus Ex, um, Mankind Divided. So we're, we're going to have a little bit of a retro swing there. We're going to deal with some games that have been out for a while. And go over those. Yeah, I think that game but, was uh, never really given a yeah. fair shake. No. It was in the news for a brief period of time, but it was quickly, um, I'm going to say dismissed. Like the human revolution was really liked. Mankind divided. I think the biggest criticism that people leveraged against it was that it feels like an unfinished game because apparently it ends at a, at a weird time. But yeah, I think we'll cover that in our uh, Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided episode, so... Stay tuned for that, everybody. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Stay tuned. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.